trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. If you find yourself sometimes questioning, hey, is my government telling me the truth? Is the news media giving me the information I need to really understand what's going on in the world around me? Well, first of all, if you're the kind of person who can even dare to ask themselves those kind of questions, you are definitely in the right place. And the answer is uh, no to both of those questions, an emphatic no. You cannot trust them. And I'm not here to tell you what you can think or what you should be thinking, but I'm definitely going to introduce you to some sources of information that can offer you a broader perspective about uh, what is being said and uh, what what is reality. You get to make that choice for yourself, but the idea here is I'm encouraging clear, independent thought. That's going to require a little bit of effort from you. So if you're not afraid of that, if you're not afraid to roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty, maybe even do a little bit of digging on your own to figure out what's what, well, come with me. Come, sit, let us revel in wrong think. It is, after all, the theme of this show. My program is brought to you by great sponsors like HSLAmmo.com, MonticelloCollege.org, LifesavingFood.com, and GarageDoorProServices.com. And I guess today we're going to jump right in with uh, this bombshell admission that uh, came out just a couple of days ago. A Pfizer exec admits that Pfizer never tested the COVID vaccine against preventing transmission of the virus. Now, I'm sure the media is going to get right on that story and issue all the necessary corrections, right? Like, uh, you know, when they said, well, we never said it would stop the transmission of the virus. So before, before we go any further, did they tell us that it would stop the transmission of the virus? Because clearly it doesn't. I mean, we've had well over a year now to, to see that, no, it doesn't. But then, you know, the goalpost shifted. Well, it, what it does is it just lessens the severity if somebody catches it. But I, I, I just, I warn you, the gaslighting has already begun about whether or not, uh, you know, this would stop the transmission of the virus if you just get the jab. Did they tell us it would stop the transmission? Well, I don't know. Let's check in with Bill Gates and uh, Rochelle Walensky from the CDC. And let's uh, let's check in with Rachel Maddow and Joe Biden and Anthony Fauci and others. I wonder what they were saying over the last couple of years. During 2021, we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines. And, and that vaccine, a uh, key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. We can kind of almost see the end. We're, we're vaccinating so very fast. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. Essentially, vaccines block you from getting and giving um, the virus. Fully vaccinated people 
are at a very, very low risk of getting COVID-19. Therefore, if you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. We have all the vaccines we need. We just need our people to take it. A, for their own protection, for the protection of their family, but also to break the chain of transmission. You want to be a dead end to the virus. So when the virus gets to you, you stop it. You don't allow it to use you as the stepping stone to the next person. I think given the country as a whole, the fact that we have now about 50% of adults fully vaccinated and about 62% of adults having received at least one dose as a nation, I I'm, I feel fairly certain you're not going to see the kind of surges mm-hmm. we've seen in the past. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized, you're not going to be in an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. You're okay. You're not going to you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Liars. Yep. Now the question is: Do they know they were lying at the time? I don't know, but. They most definitely said, oh, it'll stop the transmission of the virus. So here's the story, though. A senior Pfizer executive admitted under oath to the European Parliament Special Committee that the the company, Pfizer, never tested their COVID vaccine to see if it prevented transmission. Pfizer's chief executive in charge of developing markets, Janine Small, was testifying in front of the European Parliament's special committee. This was on Monday. A Dutch member of the European Parliament, Rob Roos, asked, was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? Small's answer was, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping the immunization before it entered the market? No. She then further defended that decision by arguing Pfizer had to move at the speed of science. Now, the so-called vaccines, you know, the idea that they don't prevent transmission of the alleged virus known as SARS-CoV-2, that's far from news. We've known this for well over a year. It's as undeniable as the fact that this virus has never been associated with any new disease or that COVID is just a new name for old symptoms. symptoms rather. The fact is, there's been a huge scam perpetuated on us and and it's been clearly defined in official literature for some time i've got an article here from offguardian.org let me see who is the author here i'm not seeing the author this this may just be a a, you know a a piece from offguardian.org but they have done marvelous work covering this particular topic but the idea here is pfizer's now admitting they never even tried to test it regarding the transmission of the virus so this has been suspected given the incredibly short development time, but now it's confirmed. They have now admitted on record that from the very beginning, they had no idea if their vaccine prevented transmission or not. And so the conclusion is everyone who said that they did, that it did, they were knowingly lying or they were stating something as a fact that was not known as a fact. Now, the mainstream media predictably has gone into revisionist history mode over this news. Well, nobody claimed the vaccines prevented the transmission, but I've just played for you numerous examples of people in high positions who said exactly that. Everyone who claimed you needed to get vaccinated to slow the spread. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say that. That was lying. Okay, they were lying. Everyone who claimed it was a duty to protect others was lying. COVID passports, the QR codes, none of it was based on on solid science. 
So to quote uh, the Dutch member of parliament, Rob Roos, he said, get vaccinated for others was always a lie. The only purpose of the COVID passport was forcing people to get vaccinated. I hope I don't sound a little angry, but I'll tell you, I can almost hear my pulse in my ears. Why? Because a year ago, the people who were telling us to get vaccinated for others were also very clearly advocating for the marginalization and the disenfranchisement of people who had not taken the jab. They wanted us excluded from society in as many ways and in as many places as possible. And I know, I'm, maybe I'm being slow to forgive. Well, you know, we're all human. We all make mistakes. But this, this felt personal. And there were people who lost their livelihoods, who lost family relationships, who, who had their lives extremely negatively impacted because of this mindset and because of these policies. And the crazy thing about it is there are still, you know, you will still find people in officialdom. I'm, I'm trying to remember where the judge was that I saw. Uh, I saw a photo. This, this was a judge alone in his courtroom, still wearing a mask, upholding a ruling that, yes, uh, this city, and I can't remember which city it was. I want to say it was somewhere in California, was right in firing firefighters who refused to get the jab. How do you make something like that Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, this. you know, I'm, I'm not calling for, well, vigilantes, grab your pitchforks, grab your torches, we'll go make this right. Who's got some rope, you know? That's not what I'm calling for. I do think, though, someone who was up that food chain, someone in a position of authority and prominence who lied to us and coerced us and encouraged others to coerce us needs to be held accountable. I'd prefer to see them held accountable in a criminal court of law. I'd like to see them sitting on the stand, answering questions under oath. Why did you do this? Why did you state this? And if a jury says, yep, there was uh, culpability on their part, or there was criminal negligence or otherwise deception on their part, then I think they ought to pay a price for that. Because otherwise, they're just going to try this again. And with the help of a complicit media that's there to not to inform us, not to, to tell us, uh, you know, the facts and let us decide for ourselves, but to keep us under the spell of whatever the official narrative is, they will try it again. And unless somebody puts their foot down and says no more, they might just succeed. People do weird things when they get scared. Check out the links I provide in my show notes at thebrianheidshow.com. We'll be back in just a few moments. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'd like to give a quick shout out here to one of my sponsors, that being GarageDoorProServices.com. This is a local company to southwestern Utah. They install, they service, and they repair garage doors for anybody in the St. George, Cedar City, Mesquite, or Colorado City area. These are garage doors made in America, and more importantly, the, the folks at Garage Door Pros offer commercial service as well as residential service. 
By the way, if, if you're, you know, if, let's just say, for instance, you have food storage, you don't have a lot of places to store it, maybe you want to consider putting it in your garage. You know, an insulated garage door will go a long ways towards helping regulate the temperature of your garage. So you might want to talk to them and see what kind of options are available. You can call 435-525-2773 or go online to garagedoorproservices.com. So there was a case in Idaho here recently in which uh, the state accused young parents of, of having an underweight child and the state decided it wanted to take custody and essentially conducted a kidnapping under the color of law. Ammon Bundy was involved. I don't know, maybe you saw some of the headlines. Got himself arrested for protesting or for, for staging you know, a, a, a protest out in front of uh, one of the hospitals in Boise where this child was being kept. And it was, it was a really ugly thing. In fact, it's funny, the, the hospital, among others, they're, they're now civilly suing Ammon. You defamed us when you said that we were, you know, part of a kidnapping. But it's, it's what happened. And I, re, I was reminded of this when I saw this article on AmericanGreatness.com, or AmGreatness.com, rather, from Thaddeus G. McCotter. It takes their collective to kidnap your child. Now, the point here is that parental rights provide the line in the sand over which, should the left successfully cross, you will no longer be a parent or a sovereign citizen of a free republic. He says, in what history will record as one of the most egregious perversions, the left projects its own sins onto its victims to transmogrify progressive oppressors into faux victims. It's a personal and political justification and weaponization that by its very audaciousness, can leave opponents momentarily dumbstruck. During their initial stupefaction, a dissenting citizenry is at the greatest risk of being subsumed by the left's repressive collective insanity. Now, he says, often the citizens find it impossible to believe what the left is doing as it's so mind-numbingly hard to comprehend rational actors engaging, indeed celebrating their outrageous conduct and injurious aims while claiming to be the victims. By the way, he's right, though. That's exactly what they do. Parental rights both prove the point and provide the line in the sand over which, should the left successfully cross, you will no longer be a parent or a sovereign citizen of a free republic. Now, among these organizations captured during the left's long march through the institutions, three powerful entities are painting their outrageous actions as noble and themselves as victims. And they're demanding that the Biden administration's politically weaponized Department of Justice stifle all dissent to these entities' radical policies in support of surgically altering the sex of children. So here's a quote from uh, Daily Wire's Ryan Saavedra. The American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and Children's Hospital Association all signed the letter to the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland urging the administration to investigate the organizations, individuals, and entities that it claimed were coordinating and provoking outrage online directed at those providing the controversial services. End quote. Obtained by Christopher Rufo of the Manhattan Institute, the letter has all the illiberal hallmarks of the progressive mind, starting with its use of therapeutic political language to claim victimhood and demand the censorship and persecution of all dissent. In fact, it should sound depressingly familiar, as it's the same narrative the left uses to indoctrinate college students into embracing censorship. In other words, uh, Marcuse's repressive tolerance. Here's another quote from the article. Or from the from the letter, these coordinated attacks threaten federally protected rights to health care for patients and their families. The attacks are rooted in an intentional campaign of disinformation where a few high profile users on social media share false and misleading information targeting individual physicians and hospitals 
resulting in a rapid escalation of threats, harassment, and disruption of care across multiple jurisdictions. Our organizations have called on technology companies to do more to prevent this practice on digital platforms. And we now urge your office to take swift action to investigate and prosecute all organizations, individuals, and entities responsible. End quote. So in sum, these organizations want to end the freedom of association, censor freedom, free, censor freedom of speech, and prevent the free association of their opponents. Having already attempted to have opponents censored by big tech, these organizations now implicitly demand the government collude with these private sector entities, censors, to do it. Most of all, of course, they want the federal government to use its police powers to persecute and silence their opponents. As Rufo succinctly concludes, this is now the left's playbook. Last year, the National School Board Association, Department of Justice, and FBI worked together to label parents who opposed critical race theory domestic terrorists. They want to stifle dissent, suppress speech, and criminalize opposition. At root is the, is the progressive hubris writ large, which is, we know what's best for you and your children. Why? Well, because they're credentialed experts, and you're just a parent. You are not permitted to disagree. If you try, the left will deem you a danger to your children in particular and society in general. So what does that mean? Well, it means the leftist collective is already prepping to take your children from you. Consider this Daily Wire report by Luke Rosiak, wherein a Virginia pro-trans group with Democratic ties says it will help gender-confused students leave their families and rehome them with new queer-friendly guardians. This entity, the Pride Liberation Project, or PLP, promises runaways, be they outed students who are facing familial rejection or need to leave their home for another reason, not only shelter but money, transportation, and deceit to protect the minors' activities from their parents. That PLP has not been licensed by the appropriate state authorities to provide minors with said services, apparently, yeah, that's no problem. Nor are parental rights or even legal niceties such as the recent Virginia Department of Education guidance that schools should not hide a student's transgender status from his or her parents and should only call them by new pronouns with parents' written permission. According to PLP's founder, Arayan Rawal, they can say you have to implement these, but there's no enforcement mechanism. You're not going to do crap. He then offers the left's macabre canard that it's, if its ideological dictates, dictates aren't abided, people will die. Quote, it's a lot easier for someone to hide behind a legal argument if they don't know there's a queer student who's about to testify about to say that these guidelines would have literally killed their community and would have literally led to incredible rates of self-harm. End quote. As for the PLPs actively deceiving parents and encouraging and subsidizing minors to run away from home, well, what could go wrong? David Gordon, head of the Virginia Project, project that tracks ideological indoctrination and infringement of parental rights in schools, has an idea. He says it would be irresponsible and reckless to the extreme to be doing this with other people's kids. The way this operation works is nearly identical to sex trafficking. This could never be underwritten by any insurer. The chance of one of these kids ending up being sexually abused is almost certain. So for the PLP, the American Medical Association, American Academy of Pediatrics and Children's Hospital Association, and other regressive leftist organizations... Their inability to conceive how their actions are harming children is indicative of their purblind hubris. They simply refuse not to see just the probable but the actual harm of their insane, injurious ideology that's being foisted on children, parents, and society as a whole. 
and instead project their sins upon their victims, be they children, parents, or American society as a whole. Perceiving themselves as liberators, they delude themselves that their malefactions are justified and their sins ennobled and elevated into virtues done on behalf of the benighted masses who cannot comprehend that it was all done for them. It's why the leftist collective feels no compunction about deceiving parents and curtailing and or terminating their rights and risking and ruining the lives of children. Doubtless, too, such delusional hubris is needed for the left to sleep at night. And it's also why those who dissent must never rest. The leftist collective has come for your children. Parents, are you paying attention? Because for America's parents, people, and republic, this is the Rubicon that cannot be crossed. If the left can do this to children with impunity, there's nothing they can't or won't do to the rest of the citizenry, and they know it. But do you? Again, this is from Thaddeus G. McCotter. I'll have a link in my show notes at thebrianheidshow.com. This is one we should pay attention to. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. All right, I feel like I'm inching out onto the thin ice for this segment. I only say this because I inched out on the thin ice yesterday, and believe it or not, it cracked and broke through in a few places. That was an interesting experience. So I'm going to talk a little bit about a speech that Vladimir Putin recently made. And here's the crazy thing. By simply saying his name, I can guarantee you, some within earshot, maybe you're one of them, just had a severe knee-jerk reaction. That's how strong the anti-Putin propaganda and sentiment is that, uh, that we have been marinating in now for quite some time. And of course, it's only been worse since the beginning of hostilities between, uh, well, the beginning of the uh, special operation between uh, Russia and Ukraine in February of this year. There's a lot to that story, but if you aren't familiar with what Putin said in this speech, it's something that you should consider. And he may be the current target of the national two minutes hate, but I'm asking you, If you're serious about thinking for yourself, this is one of those times where trusting media talking points really should not be an option. I'm not telling you, you have to believe what I'm about to share with you. And I understand full well, this is going to piss some people off. There are people who are going to be saying right out loud, Brian, you are nothing more than a Russian asset. Well, if I am, they need to cough up some money because uh, I don't do this for free, Putin. No, and I'm joking, but you know, it's, it's so weird. That's the reflexive thing. Well, that sounds just like Russian propaganda. And I'm not talking about people who are like easily led. I'm talking some of the, some of the, what I consider some of the most clear-minded individuals. I shared this with a, with a couple of them yesterday and wow, the reaction was extremely negative, but it was all because all they could see was Russian propaganda. So Paul Rosenberg is the one who shared this and it's titled The Inflection Point of Putin's Evil Empire Speech. It's actually written by a friend of his named Joe Katzman. Paul prefaces the remarks by saying, look, as you know, I prefer to focus on building the good rather than identifying the bad. That preference stands, but he says there's also wisdom in understanding what is happening in the world so that we can build the good in spite of it. Wise as serpents, innocent as doves, you know, that kind of stuff. He says, this piece written recently by one of my friends is serious, far-reaching analysis. And it's especially important as we pivot into a different world than we've known. So he says, retain whatever quibbles you like, but please read it and understand it. Joe Katzman says, we live in historic times, and part of the change 
is that you cannot depend on Western media for anything at all. Vladimir Putin's recent speech, which Russia is starting to back with real action, is a perfect example. Now, if you want to understand the world, part of that regimen requires reading in full what key leaders around the world are saying. This is very doable. Whether you believe them or like them or not, they say specific things for particular audiences. Outside the West, such politicians often have specific geopolitical goals in mind. So read the speeches yourself. Don't depend on some uneducated millennial working for starvation wages and scraps of bootlicking status in some Brooklyn dump. No head of state is as critical as Vladimir Putin, says Joe Katzman, for obvious reasons. Though below the the head of state level, you also need to pay focused attention to Sergei Glazyev and Wang Huning if you want to understand the current Asian heartland's crystallization. Sadly, Wang Huning is opaque now except through the books he wrote while he was in America during the 1990s. Spoiler, he concluded that it was all coming down before he went back home to guide China's modern strategy. Unlike Glazyev, he's too Confucian to give interviews. Back to Putin, though. His speeches since the Ukrainian front burst into kinetic war have been historic, successfully heralding the end of the unipolar Western order that's dominated the world for the last 500 years. Those speeches have landed with greater and greater credibility as concrete and consequential actions back those words. Now, for those who thought he was just blustering and bloviating because our politicians believe they can literally cast word spells and change reality, he says, I trust you've been disabused of that notion by now. This is not a guy who bluffs. What follows may work or may not, but he is basically what the opposite of Donald Trump's public style looks like. If anything, he understates things and speaks like the lawyer he is. He's not a stirring orator, and within Russia, you need to understand, he isn't the hawk in the room like Medvedev or uh, Kadrov, which makes his most recent, recent speech such a milestone. The pagan society you live in right now is so filthily distasteful to so many people around the world that they would rather die than submit to it. It's becoming so abhorrent that the next shift will be a widespread willingness to kill rather than submit to it. Putin's speech will be remembered as the global event that marked the beginning of widespread serious resistance to our sick society as a moral evil, not just a geopolitical quarrel. And here is the link to the speech in full. But I'm going to share a couple of excerpts from it and background. Putin says, quote, We call on the Kiev regime to immediately cease fire and all hostilities, to end the war it unleashed back in 2014 and return to the negotiating table. We are ready for this as we have said more than once. But the choice of the people in Donetsk, Lugansk, Zafirozhai, I'm not saying that correctly, and Kherson will not be discussed. The decision has been made, and Russia will not betray it. Kiev's current authorities should respect this free expression of the people's will. There is no other way. This is the only way to peace. We will defend our land with all the forces and resources we have, and we will do everything we can to ensure the safety of our people. This is the great liberating mission of our nation. End quote. Now again, Joe Katzman points out here that uh, Serbian President Vucic said just a little while ago that Putin would make important gains and make one last peace offer. And the West, and when the West did not accept it, all hell would break loose. Well, that was a good call, Vucic, and surely not an accidental guest. What matters in this speech is that these areas are now part of Russia to the Russian government. Whether you recognize it, 
is irrelevant. Their recognition means that they will use all means of state power to defend these areas with no constraints on forces used as the special military operation was legally restrained, nor on external targets except as dictated by chosen strategy. Statecraft 101. Russia's own nuclear strategy is quite public and clear. Since Western journalists lack the background to understand Statecraft 101 or conduct basic research on Google, we get bloviating about nuclear threats. That isn't the half of it, though. They also missed the key recurring theme in Putin's speech. Quote, The West is ready to cross every line to preserve the neo-colonial system, which allows it to live off the world, to plunder it thanks to the domination of the dollar and technology, to collect an actual tribute from humanity, to extract its primary source of unearned prosperity, the rent paid to the hegemon. The preservation of this annuity is their main, real, and absolutely self-serving motivation. This is why total desovereignization is in their interest. This explains their aggression toward independent states, traditional values, and authentic cultures, their attempts to undermine international and integration processes, new global currencies, and technological development centers they cannot control. It is critically important for them to force all countries to surrender their sovereignty to the United States. In certain countries, the ruling elites voluntarily agree to do this, voluntarily agree to become vassals. Others are bribed or intimidated, and if this does not work, they destroy entire states, leaving behind humanitarian disasters, devastation, ruins, millions of wrecked and mangled human lives, terrorist enclaves, social disaster zones, protectorates, colonies, and semi-colonies. They don't care. All they care about is their own benefit. End quote. Now, Joe Katzman says what Putin has in the past alluded to, he says with very unusual directness and intensity. How do you think that'll play in Latin America or Africa or the Middle East and many parts of Asia after the last couple hundred years? Joe Katzman says, I expect it to play well. Then he hammered in this capstone later as just one of several returns to this subject. Again, quote, Putin says they are exporting grain from Ukraine now. Where are they taking it under the guise of ensuring food security of the poorest countries? Where is it going? They are taking it to the self-same European countries. Only 5% has been delivered to the poorest countries. More cheating and naked deception again. End quote. Now, Joe Katzman says Putin doesn't make threats. He places markers. So think about what he's after here. Think ahead a few months as Western sanctions continue to cripple food shipments while a hungry Europe diverts them. As a rising dollar makes the global south's dollar-denominated debt unserviceable without IMF loans. Loans that require these countries to turn their productive assets over to Western financial corporations. How will those lines about the West being their inherent enemy then land? So while we're thinking ahead, what happens if the organizations Russia and China are putting in place offer competing loans, rather, with the proviso that the dollar debt must be repudiated? Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But he's building conditions where that becomes more thinkable. Maybe terminally pissing off a nation of chess players led by a serious judoka wasn't such a great idea. Now throw in how you think Putin's lines play in Europe after Nord Stream 1 and 2. There's actually an outside possibility of accidents involving uh, clathrates, but nobody's going to believe that even in the event that it's true, which looks more and more unlikely. I'm going to come back to this just briefly in the next segment. And I, you know, if, if you're hearing your pulse thundering in your ears... Okay, take a break, lie down, put a cool washcloth on your head. Sometimes I have to do this to calm myself. None of this is to justify, well, Vlad's really a great guy, but just terribly misunderstood. I think the point here is, 
There is more truth in what he's saying than what we're getting from our own governments. And the world is becoming a more dangerous place by the minute. Maybe we should look at some of those truths. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Again, a shout out here to lifesavingfoods.com and also hslammo.com. I do appreciate their sponsorship here on the program. I want to get back to this article by Joe Katzman. This was brought to my attention by Paul Rosenberg. Um, Paul is one of the clearest thinkers that I know of. I, I really like to get his take on things. And when he says, this is really good analysis of what's happening, he's not doing it because, yay, our side. It's, it's more like, this is something that, that could be helpful in helping you better formulate your understanding of what's really going on in the world. And Joe Katzman says, hey, that, that, that speech that uh, that Putin recently made, it's very much the equivalent of Ronald Reagan's evil empire speech. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, from back in the late 80s, that was a that was a very pivotal moment. We may be looking at another watershed moment right here. So here again, Katzman goes back to another quote here from 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 Putin. Washington demands, I should say, quote, Washington demands more and more sanctions against Russia and the majority of European politicians obediently go along with it. They clearly understand that by pressuring the EU to completely give up Russian energy and other resources, the United States is practically pushing Europe toward deindustrialization in a bid to get its hands on the entire European market. Now, these European elites understand everything. They do. But they prefer to serve the interests of others. This is no longer servility, but direct betrayal of, its, of their own people. God bless, he says, it is up to them. But the Anglo-Saxons believe sanctions are no longer enough, and now they have turned to subversion. It seems incredible, but it is a fact. By causing explosions on the Nord Stream's international gas pipelines passing along the bottom of the Baltic Sea, they have actually embarked on the destruction of Europe's entire energy infrastructure. It is clear to everyone who stands to gain, those who are responsible, of course. End quote. Now, Joe Katzman asks, asks, how will that play in wintertime? Suffice to say that only brain-dead Western NPCs believe anything else at this point, which means it's now widely understood that the USA will militarily attack its allies. Contemplate for a second what that implies about the stage that the D.C. empire is at and the future, the level of future energy and force that will be required to even maintain its current weakened position. Contemplate in passing what that implies about the coming honesty of the 2022 midterm elections. Meanwhile, the reassertion of material reality is the change trend that underlies and underlines all others. And again, Putin drives it home. The D.C. empire is everyone's enemy. This level of emphasis is a shift from past speeches, which have laid some foundations, but mostly in passing. Can you see how this is a repeating theme in the referenda speech? Quote, such confidence is a direct product not only of the notorious concept of exceptionalism, although it never ceases to amaze, but also of the real information hunger in the West. The truth has been drowned in an ocean of myths, illusions, and fakes using extremely aggressive propaganda, lying like Goebbels. Like Goebbels, rather. The more unbelievable the lie, the quicker people will believe it. That's how they operate, according to this principle. 
And Putin then says, but people cannot be fed with printed dollars and euros. You can't feed them with those pieces of paper. And the virtual inflated capitalization of Western social media companies can't heat their homes. Everything I am saying is important. And what I just said is no less so. You can't feed anyone with paper. You need food. And you can't heat anyone's homes with these inflated capitalizations. You need energy. That is why politicians in Europe have to convince their fellow citizens to eat less, take a shower less often, and dress warmer at home. And those who start asking fair questions like, why is that, in fact, are immediately declared enemies, extremists, and radicals. They point back at Russia and say, that is the source of all your troubles. More lies. He then says, I want to make special note of the fact that there is every reason to believe that the Western elites are not going to look for constructive ways out of the global food and energy crisis that they and they alone are to blame for. As a result of their long-term policy, dating back long before our special military operation in Ukraine, in Donbass, they have no intention of solving the problems of injustice and inequality. I'm afraid they would rather use other formulas they are more comfortable with. End quote. Now, Joe Katzman says this is a clear majority of the world's population and economy are refusing to side with the West. I know our media doesn't report this, but that is true. Grasp this. Putin's referenda speech is the 21st century version of Reagan's evil empire speech. But the difference is that it goes further. Pay very close attention to what comes later because it is de facto a declaration of we win, they lose global war. Again, quoting Putin. The current neo-colonial model is ultimately doomed. This much is obvious, but he says, I repeat that its real masters will cling to it to the end. They simply have nothing to offer the world except to maintain the same system of plundering and racketeering. They do not give a damn about the natural rights of billions of people, the majority of humanity, to freedom and justice, the right to determine their own future. They've already moved on to the radical denial of moral, religious, and family values. Let us answer some very simple questions for ourselves. Now, I would like to return to what I said and also want I want to address also all the citizens of the country, not just the colleagues that are here in the hall, but the citizens of all the citizens of Russia. Do we want to have here in our country, in Russia, parent number one, parent number two and parent number three? They've completely lost it instead of mother and father. Do we want our schools to impose on our children from their earliest days in school perversions that lead to degradation and extinction? Do we want to drum into their heads the ideas that certain other genders exist along with women and men and to offer them gender reassignment surgery? Is that what we want for our country and our children? This is all unacceptable to us. We have a different future of our own. Let me repeat that the dictatorship of the Western elites targets all societies, including the citizens of Western countries themselves. This is a challenge to all. This complete renunciation of what it means to be human, the overthrow of faith and traditional values, and the suppression of freedom are coming to resemble a religion in reverse, pure Satanism. Exposing false messiahs, says Joe Katzman, uh, Jesus Christ said in the Sermon on the Mount, by their fruits ye shall know them. These poisonous fruits are already obvious to people, and, and Putin says not only in our country, but also in, other, in all countries, including many people in the West itself. End quote. Joe Katzman says he's absolutely 100% right about this, by the way. The modern left's foundation is none other than the seven deadly sins, and it's not even difficult to trace that back. The constant focus on human sacrifice in various forms, and especially of the most innocent, is not an accident. The constant inversion of the truth, even when it's seemingly unnecessary, is not by accident. The drive to historic genocide proclaimed in monuments like the Georgia Guidestones, while proclaiming that transhumanism shall make us as gods, is no accident. 
and the internal social mechanism of status gained through struggle means that you must identify and hurt another person to get those rewards. That is no accident. Their absolute hatred of Jesus Christ and inability to even lie his uh, core affirmations. No, these are not accidents. Now, Joe Katzman says, I don't know if our leaders run around in funny robes chanting rights to Satan, though John Podesta's artwork and the recurring entree of uh, Marina Abramovich posing with elite after elite does make one wonder. He says, I know, what I know to a certainty is that they are satanic in the full Christian sense of the word. And the leader of the world's largest, most effective nuclear arsenal, a global commodity superpower with a real economy equal to or greater than Japan's in a world returning to physicality as king in the shadow of current and coming shortages. That guy just proclaimed this openly to the entire world. Us? Well, we're just a money printer with nukes who sacrifices kids as part of the state religion. By the way, what's the difference between a Satanist and a Nazi or a communist? Joe Katzman says, for me, the difference is that you can denazify a country by retiring officials, executing the top figures, and banning the party. It's a problem of evil, but it's fundamentally a political problem. The solutions are political. Satanists? You don't use those kinds of half measures with Satanists. And he says, if you don't grok this, at least grasp that many people elsewhere in the world do and will. And Putin's rhetoric is going to bite. It's going to take hold because it points at a core truth. If you're honest with yourselves, you know this is so. More and more people around the world are going to come to similar conclusions. Many already have. Many more will join them, especially as they and their families are personally hurt by the visibly evil past, present, and future dictates of Davos and the D.C. Empire. This has implications. And he says, if you even think about it for a moment and really internalize it, you'll come to realize that even a direct nuclear threat with targets attached would have been less consequential than what Putin actually did say. Things your media wouldn't focus on, even though it was so sensational. What do you think that might be? Now, I get, you know, you don't want to have that turned on you. But he says, consider carefully what collaboration with this empire costs you now and in what things may come. Joe Katzman says, may God write you into the book of life for a new year, for it is not in man's power to stay the day of judgment, only to pick a side and cleave to it and share in its ultimate fate. Now, none of this is to try to persuade you that, hey, you know, Putin's really just a good but misunderstood guy. But uh, one of my friends asked me yesterday, well, uh, who do you think is the greater threat to you? Your own, co- your own government or Putin? My answer without hesitation was it's my own government. Not only are they every bit as evil, but uh, they actually know where I live and claim authority over me. So I'm just assessing the threats the way I see it. This is The Brian Hyde Show.